Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. Also, on September 27th at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, I'm hosting a free Zoom history conference. It's all about the 1915 Edmonton Flood, the worst flood in the city's history. The conference goes for about 45 minutes, and you can register by emailing me at craig at canadaehx.com. Since long before Canada was a country, the Indigenous have been part of our military campaigns. From the Beaver Wars, to the War of 1812, to the First World War and beyond, Indigenous soldiers have proven themselves again and again to be some of the best soldiers Canada has to offer. Today on the podcast, I'm looking at Tommy Prince, not only one of the greatest Indigenous soldiers, but one of Canada's greatest soldiers ever. Prince was born in Petersfield, Manitoba, and was the great-great-grandson of Chief Pegway, who led his nation from Sault Ste. Marie to Lake Winnipeg in the 1790s. As a young man, Prince proved himself to be an expert marksman and tracker, spending many days hunting around his Indigenous reserve. Like so many Indigenous of his era, though, he was forced to attend residential school, and he was taken away from his parents without consent. He would attend the Elkhorn Residential School until grade 8, after which he was employed in manual labour jobs as a teenager. It was as a teenager he would join the Air Cadets, which would lead him towards a legendary military career. When the Second World War broke out, Prince was 25 and easily met the requirements for recruitment. Despite this, he was turned down repeatedly for enlistment, likely due to the racism towards Indigenous recruits, until he was finally accepted on June 3, 1940. Originally, he was a member of the Royal Canadian Engineers, serving as a sapper. He would then volunteer for duty with a parachute unit in the 2nd Canadian Parachute Battalion. At the time, the United States and Canada were forming a special force of men to conduct sabotage in Norway, and men were recruited into this unit called 1st Special Service Force, also known as the Devil's Brigade. The men in this unit, like Prince, were still on the rosters of their other units, and their unit really didn't technically exist. The special training to become a paratrooper was intense, and only 9 out of 100 finished the course, and Prince was one of them. After attending parachute school near Manchester, Prince would be promoted to Lance Corporal in February 1941. Over a year later, in September of 1942, he came back to Canada and was promoted to Sergeant, and assigned to the 1st Canadian Parachute Battalion, while serving in the Devil's Brigade. He was given the role of Scout, and was responsible for moving into forward positions and reporting movement of the enemy. In 1968, a movie about the Devil's Brigade was made, and in that movie, Prince was simply referred to as Chief. The unit would go to Italy in November of 1943, taking part in several attacks, capturing Monte La Defensa, Hill 720, and Monte Maggiore. On February 8, 1944, near Latoria, Prince was sent ahead to report on German assembly points. Situated in an old farmhouse only 660 feet away from the enemy assembly area, he reported the position of their emplacements using 4,600 feet of telephone wire. The Allies knocked out the guns reported by Prince, but also accidentally destroyed the telephone wire. Prince walked out into the field, dressed as a farmer with a hoe, and pretended to weed the crops. Under this ruse, he found the damaged wires and rejoined them while pretending to tie his shoelaces. 
For extra effect, he shook his fist at the Germans and the Allies, and then went back into the house and continued his reports. Thanks to his reports, four German batteries were taken out of action over the next few hours, and he would spend three entire days behind enemy lines, and for his service on those days, he was awarded the Military Medal. His citation would read, Sergeant Prince's courage and utter disregard for personal safety were an inspiration to his fellows and a marked credit to his unit. His action on that day would be reenacted in the aforementioned movie The Devil's Brigade. In the summer of 1944, Prince moved with his unit to southern France, taking part in Operation Dragoon. On September 1st, Prince and a private went forward towards enemy lines to scout positions. They would come across an encampment area with a reserve battalion of Germans. On the way back, Prince and the private came upon a battle between French and German forces, and they started sniping the Germans, who quickly withdrew. Prince made contact with the leader of the French squad, and he was asked where the company was located. Prince pointed to himself and the private and said, Here. Due to the expert fire of Prince and the private, the French commander had thought there were 50 men hidden in the woods. Prince would eventually reach his unit and lead them to the encampment, where an entire German battalion of a thousand men were captured. Over this entire sequence of events, Prince had not had food, water, or sleep for 72 hours, and had walked over 70 kilometers. He was awarded the Silver Star from the Americans for his service. His citation reads, so accurate was the report rendered by the patrol that Sergeant Prince's regiment moved forward on September 5, 1944, occupied new heights, and successfully wiped out the enemy encampment area. The keen sense of responsibility and devotion to duty displayed by Sergeant Prince is in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service and reflects great credit upon himself and the armed forces of the Allied nations. Jack Ferguson, who knew Prince, would say of the man, that is one thing about Tommy. He could move through the bush, and you'd never know he was there. After the unit was disbanded, Prince was sent to the United Kingdom. On February 12, 1945, he was summoned to Buckingham Palace, where King George VI presented him with his military medal. On April 24, 1945, Brigadier General E.F. Koenig would present Prince with his silver star. Prince receives his medal in this World War II newsreel clip. Brigadier General Koenig, Commander UK Base, United States Army, presents US awards to Canadians. The recipients are members of the Special Service Force composed of American and Canadian Army personnel who fought together in some tough spots in the drive into Germany. Silver stars go to Sergeant G.A. Rainville of Bonneville, Ontario, to Staff Sergeant J.K. Knight of Wolford, Alberta, to another Westerner, Sergeant D.F. Peterson of Cardston, Alberta, and to the representative of Scanterbury, Manitoba, Sergeant Prince. Private R.J. Scully of Windsor, Ontario receives his star. The bronze star goes to Sergeant W.J. McGee of Toronto and to Sergeant Barnett of Montreal for deeds of outstanding bravery. During the entire Second World War, only 59 Canadians, including Prince, were awarded the Silver Star. Only three Canadians received both the Silver Star and the Military Medal. In addition, he received another six service medals for his time in Italy and Northwest Europe during the war. His other medals include the 1939-1945 Star, the Italy Star, the France and Germany Star, the Defence Medal, and the Canadian Volunteer Service Medal with Clasp, and the War Medal.
On June 15, 1945, Prince was discharged honorably and returned home to Canada to work at a pulp wood camp. With money from the Department of Veterans Affairs, Prince would build a prosperous cleaning service, and he would marry Verna Sinclair, and the two would have five children. Beginning in 1946, he was elected to the chair of the Manitoba Indian Association, and he would spend his time working to improve the conditions for Indigenous people of the province, including lobbying Ottawa for changes in the Indian Act. He would put together a report with recommendations for the Canadian government, but very few of the requests were implemented. While the government ignored most of the report, the National Indian Brotherhood showed their thanks to Prince by creating the Heroes of Our Time Native Scholarship Series in his honour. Frustrated, he returned home to find his business was folded by friends he had entrusted it to. They had crashed the truck and sold it for scrap metal, and Prince would have to work at a concrete factory and a lumberyard to make ends meet. In August of 1950, Prince returned to the army and was sent over to the Korean War, and he would say putting on the uniform made him feel like a better man. Serving with the 2nd Battalion, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, he would lead an eight-man evening snatch patrol into enemy encampments. One patrol would return with two captured machine guns, and Prince was also part of the Battle of Cap Yong, which I actually talked about two weeks ago, and he was part of the unit awarded the United States Presidential Unit Citation. If you'd like to learn more about the Battle of Cap Yong, check out that episode. Years of putting his body on the line would take its toll on Prince during the Korean War, and he would be hospitalized in May of 1951 and put on administrative duty and return to Canada. His knees and arthritis improved in Canada, and he then volunteered to go back to Korea in 1952, and he would sail with a 3rd Battalion, Princess Patricia's Light Infantry. He would be wounded in November of that year, taking several weeks to recover, and the war would end in that time. He would remain in the army for another year, serving as an instructor for new recruits. During his time in Korea, he would receive the Korean and Canadian Volunteer Service Medals and the United Nations Service Medal. Going back to civilian life was not easy, and with his knees getting worse, his ability to make a living was compromised. In addition, as an Indigenous man, and despite his exemplary war record, he was not allowed to vote in federal elections, and was refused the same benefits given to other Canadian veterans. Despite this, he would once again return to the headlines with his bravery when in June of 1955 he saved a man from drowning at the Alexander Docks in Winnipeg. He would devote himself to increasing educational and economic activities for Indigenous people, feeling a deep pride in his Indigenous heritage. He would say, All my life I had wanted to do something to help my people recover their good name. I wanted to show they were as good as any white man. Despite all of this, his health began to go downhill, his family unit fell apart, and he fell into alcoholism, spending his final years alone in a Salvation Army hostel. He would overcome alcohol, but his body had been through so much by the 1970s, and it's likely he was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, but back then the issue was not addressed as it is today. He would be forced to sell his medals to support himself, and he would die in 1977 at the Deer Lodge Centre, a healthcare facility in Winnipeg. A delegation from the Princess Patricia's served as his pallbearers, and the men from his First Nation chanted Death of a Warrior song as he was lowered into the grave. Despite the hard times and loneliness he felt in those final years, the Lieutenant Governor of Manitoba, as well as consuls from France, Italy, and the United States attended his funeral. Over 500 people were there. 
and at the time of his death, he was one of the most decorated Indigenous war veterans in Canadian history. His nephew, Jim Bear, would organize a pledge drive to purchase the medals back during an auction and would give them to the Manitoba Museum. The true character of Prince is shown in his reluctance to boast about his accomplishments. When asked by the media about his war record, he responded that his fellow soldiers were a great bunch of guys. I'm here because they kept me safe and brought me home. Tommy Prince Jr. would speak of his father in 2019 during a ceremony honoring Indigenous veterans. I don't think I have to uh, touch too much on um, our deceased father's military history that's been well said today. But I will say that um, our veterans have been um, poorly treated, mistreated by governments, and are still being mistreated by the government. Facts are, if they got a pension, it was minimized, it was cut. Secondly, they don't get the medical treatment they need, whether it's mentally or physically. And last but not least, you heard that we any homeless veterans. I watched my father die homeless in Winnipeg. I offered him to come and live with me and my girlfriend. But being the type of man that he was, he said, I don't want to be a burden. It bothers me deeply that I have to stand here and say this. But we got to do something for our heroes. Not only of the Second World War, First World War, but for the wars that they are fighting today. We have to do something. And then we can truly say, we look after our own. Prince has been honored extensively since his death. A street in Winnipeg is named for him, as is a school on his home reserve. A barracks and drill hall are also named for him, and two scholarships exist in his name. A road in Calgary and another in Petersfield are named for him. And in 2005, Historica Canada released a Heritage Minute about Prince. This is that Heritage Minute. When Tommy Prince went behind enemy lines, <laughs> the enemy was in trouble. That time at Anzio, three days on his own, he trained our guns for He never life. boasted about his army time. Never said nothing. One of the few non-Americans ever awarded the Silver Star of the United States, Tommy's Prince. He was the bravest man I ever seen. But after Italy and France, and then twice in Korea, he had to fight the battles of peacetime in a community where Canadian Indians have it hard. Of poverty, which would claim his many, many medals. He had to fight the drink, and he did. And family troubles, and he did. And he died in dignity, one of the most decorated soldiers in Canada's history, Tommy Prince of the Ojibwe Nation. The Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry are honored to say farewell to one of our own. In June of 2020, Prince emerged as one of the front runners to get his face on the new $5 bill. 
a monument to Prince also rests at Kildonan Park in Winnipeg. This news report looks at Prince and his potential to be on the bill. Tommy Prince is the most decorated Canadian Indigenous soldier in history, and he could soon be the face of the new $5 bill, set to be released in the next few years. The Bank of Canada put out a call for nominees at the beginning of this year, and the MP that represents the riding where Prince once lived thought he would be a perfect fit. You know, Tommy Prince is, is the person that needs to be on there that represents the best ideals of, of bravery, of contribution and sacrifice, as well as uh, needing to tell a story about, about uh, reconciliation and uh, systemic racism. And uh, he, he encapsulizes all of that in just his story. From attending residential school to fighting in World War II and the Korean War and selling his war medals to help him survive, Prince's story is both inspiring and tragic. The Shadow Minister for Crown Indigenous Relations sees this as an opportunity to promote reconciliation. The more momentum we get towards this, the better chance we have on getting Tommy Prince uh, on the $5 bill. And I think if we can do that, I think that is is a, a another a step we take to the path of reconciliation and, and recognize some of the uh, mistakes of the past, such as residential schools, but also honoring uh, Sergeant Tommy Prince in his uh, career in the military and, and coming out as a, as a war hero. The petition had originated amongst Conservative MPs and words soon got to the family. Tommy's grandson, Buddy, hopes Tommy's story and face on the new bill can be a symbol for equality. As you know, you know, he wasn't even allowed to vote. And this is one of the stronger, stronger things that I believe that he stood up for was equal rights for all Indigenous people across the country and in the U.S., especially in this time of reconciliation. I think, you know, go, going forward with the $5 bill and Tommy Prince's face representing that dollar bill, it's, it's something that we all need to look at and say the impossible is no longer impossible. Daryl Stranger, APT National News, Winnipeg. If you would like to sign the petition to have Tommy Prince on the $5 bill, you can go to www.honortommyprince.ca. I hope you enjoyed that look at the life of Tommy Prince, and if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And again, you can support the podcast by going to Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. I'd like to give a shout out to all of my wonderful patrons, including Aaron O'Hara, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., Vic Hedges, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, Spencer M., Renee Beliveau, and Iris Gray. Information comes from... Valor.ca, Canadian Encyclopedia, Veterans Affairs, Wikipedia, Hands Across the Meridian, The Winnipeg Free Press, Scholastic.ca, APTN, CBC, and Global News. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.